a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Back Rebels and Imperials, the Force Coast, Coast to Coast. My name is Brian, and as always, I'm Matt and Liz. And before we get into our discussion of Star Wars droids, let's talk about the trailer for Obi-Wan Kenobi that dropped yesterday. So, this is for the new limited series starting on Disney Plus on May 25th. We know some details about the series. We know it takes place on Tatooine. We know it is 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. We know that... Um, the folks who played Owen and Beru in Episode 3 are returning for those roles. We know that excuse me, Hayden Christensen is returning to his role as Darth Vader slash adding Skywalker for this. We don't know how that's going to work. We don't know... We don't know a lot about the actual plot of the series. And what I like about the trailer is that it didn't give us too much. It was a nice little tease, but we don't know exactly too much. So, Matt, you just watched this like five minutes ago. I so, did. I did. Uh, what did you think of the trailer? I I was impressed because it it met all the expectations that I didn't know I had. Because for a long time I've been like, what is this even going to be about? What is this going to be? And I was like, oh, this is the story it was always going to be, and that makes perfect sense. And I'm very happy to watch it. So I'm 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 very satisfied. Okay. Liz, you mentioned to me how much you love the music for this. Yes. I will tell you that I watched the trailer maybe about 10 or 12 times. Uh, when I told a friend of mine that, she asked, oh, were you looking for small details? And I said, well, to be honest, it was mainly for the music. I can't resist a good duel of the fates. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a while, I feel like. So uh, that was real enticing for me. It was also, it just felt real cinematic. More so maybe than just a TV series. I'm also real excited for Moses Ingram's character. I think she might be a Sith. She's the one with the red lightsaber. Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly how this is going to work, um, this, this whole show. Um, because on one hand, I feel like there is a limited story to be told in this area. Like... This is the issue with telling stories from very, very particular periods of time. Because we know, like, Obi-Wan's not going to, you know, die or... Um... Yeah, neither is the Grand Inquisitor. Right. Like, there, there's just, there are just certain stories that we know sort of can't change out of this. But on the other hand, I think there are enough things that are that are possibly different about this that could be interesting. Um, I do want to get into some details in a second, but the first question I have for you guys is, so I was talking to a friend of mine who was like vehemently against the show. And he yeah. said that the reason he's against it is because what made the confrontation in A New Hope between Vader and Anakin so special is that you know this is their first time meeting since the events of Revenge of the Sith. Mm. And so do you think we're going to see these two like actually have a confrontation? Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean it's quite possible because there is there. I did not go into New Hope assuming that. 
and it makes the comment of him being more machine than man make sense. Although a lot of what Obi-Wan says is bullcrap from that, you know, <laughs> initial discussion. But what if they he did meet him and the confrontation left him feeling the opposite of Ahsoka and feeling that, you know, Anakin was dead. That there was no redeeming, that he was taken over. I that's think that's really interesting. That's actually a really mm -hmm. interesting way to think about it. Um, mm -hmm. Liz, do you think they're actually going to wind up meeting in person or no? Um, I, I, I feel, I feel like they have to if if Hayden Christensen's going to be in this series as Darth Vader. I feel like I, I just feel like they have to meet each other in some way and you know whether that confrontation is a you know confrontational fight or of some sort or just the fact that they do see one another mm -hmm. I, I i think they do have to meet up in some sense um you know it doesn't have to be necessarily some sort of lightsaber battle um confrontation in that sense but i i feel like they do have to see one another mm -hmm. i feel like the show has to pay you know pay it off in that sense see i don't I don't know. I, I, I've been going back and forth with this. My my initial thought was that they were going to... Because, let me back up. If you're having Hayden Christensen reprise his role here, I don't think you're going to pay him to just be in the Vader costume with James Earl Jones doing the voice. And I don't think they're going to suddenly change Vader's voice from James Earl Jones to Hayden Christensen. <laughs> So to me, this is going to be a lot of, like, I could almost see it being like the way that Luke and Vader communicate in the end of Empire Strikes Back when Luke is on the Millennium Falcon and Vader is in Cloud City and they're, like, talking back and forth. I could see there being something like that. I could see there being something like a Force vision. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. I just I don't know why you bring back Hayden Christensen if you're not gonna have him as Anakin, not as Vader. Mm. And I can't imagine that the I mean, the last time we saw Hayden Christensen as Vader, he was like a burned out mess at the end of episode three. The the next time we see Vader without a mask on, he is uh Sebastian Shaw at the end of Return of the Jedi. Mm, you see, you see the Hayden Christensen version of him in Rebels. Yes, in you season do. Two. Yes, you do. Okay, I forgot about that. Um, That's what I think might be the middle ground between those two. Mm -hmm. Star Wars does love to do the same thing over and over again. I mean, we've got five Death Stars, so <laughs> that is true. Yes, <laughs> I mean, we could see that same exact fight with Obi Wan instead of Ahsoka. Right. It sounds like Indy has some thoughts on this. Uh, that's not Indy. Oh, that's Chompers. That's Chompers. Oh, Chompers is a little, little dog, big bite. Yeah. Let's say Chompers really has some thoughts on this. You have four teeth left. <laughs> <laughs> I heard one of your dogs having something to say. So. <laughs> it's a dog. Usually it is Indy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So, I mean, I am... I am definitely interested to see how this works, right? I'm interested to see how the um, how the mechanics of this world work. If there's going to be 
a Vader confrontation, if there's going to be anything, you know, like that. Um, but leaving that aside, I think there's a couple of things we're definitely going to see in the show. I, mm-hmm. It looks like Owen, uh, Owen Lars, Luke's uncle, is being, like, harassed by the Inquisitor at some point. Um, or at least by, by somebody who is looking for Obi-Wan. And mm-hmm. to me, that would explain partially why he is so against Luke having a relationship with Obi-Wan. Like, when in, in A New Hope, when that's brought up to him, he basically shoots down any relationship that Luke should have with him, right? Like, he, he's called mm-hmm. a crazy old man, whatever. It would be one thing if he's... It, obviously, we know he's trying to protect Luke. We know that that's part of what's going on here. But if it's also, like, that old man almost got me killed, <laughs> that's another reason to be a little bit upset about Luke having a relationship with him. So mm-hmm. I can, I think that makes sense. I think we're going to see a little bit, but probably not too much, of young Luke. Because I don't know what the value of us seeing a ton of young Luke is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just um, through binoculars. Yeah, yeah I, I think I... we'll probably see a little more than that, but not not too much more. Um, but yeah. Sorry, sorry, Liz, you were about to say something. No, I was just gonna reiterate the fact that I don't think we'll see much of young Luke at all. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's a. If there's any other characters that we think we will see, I mean, I think there's every chance we could see someone like, I don't know, Watto or another <laughs> no. horrible episode one Tatooine character. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, yeah, I I, I was going to go more to uh, Maul, but yeah, maybe Watto. <laughs> I mean... See, I don't know if we're going to see Maul or not because we somewhat know Maul's I – mean, we do. We know Maul's, Maul's fate because of a scene in Rebels. I'm not going to say what that fate is, but we sort of know the end of Maul's story or at least the end of this piece of Maul's story. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we're going to see him necessarily before then because you get the impression that Obi-Wan is pretty much isolated where he is. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm wondering if this is what – Whatever happens in this story is what drives him to be the alone desert hermit. So you you don't you don't, you don't think we're gonna get him as the alone desert hermit before this? So you think this is gonna push him there? I mean, and the only thing that makes me think of that is because we see him riding around in like a a space, um, you know, pumpkin wagon or whatever, and like there's scenes on places that don't look like they're Tatooine. So that's what I thought he gets himself involved in some last hurrah. It goes real bad. And then he realizes that he needs to just stay out of it. He can't be the hero anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes. I assumed he was already a hermit. I, and again, I, he decides to stay on Tatooine. Does no one care that he then... Does no one know that he's there after all of this? Does no one care? Well, I mean, so I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly how the conversation goes at the end of Revenge of the Sith. But basically, you know, uh, Bail Organa says, I will take the girl. 
And Obi-Wan says, I will watch after the boy. So he brings him to be with his family. And I just got the impression that he was going to stay on Tatooine because you figure there is a, um, you know, there, there, are, there are inquisitors out there. And we, we don't know that term at the end of Revenge of the Sith. But, you know, there are people out there who are hunting Jedi. And so he is going someplace that he's going to be safe from that, presumably. And but, more importantly, that he's hmm. going to be watching over Luke. But anyway, go ahead. I was saying, I can't imagine Obi-Wan not trying to protect other Jedi. Because at that at this moment, there's still a number of them alive. But does he know that? Well, that's what I mean. All, but all of this action is occurring in the series here on Tatooine. And maybe elsewhere. Like, maybe they're going elsewhere. Unsure. So it, it feels like just like Obi-Wan reveals himself then. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I guess, moving I guess, on to like the original trilogy, like he's still there, he's still on Tatooine. Yeah, again, I see very much a episode one Rebels rehash of something going wrong, and Obi Wan needing to be like, "No, I'm a Jedi. I'm going to do some Jedi shit." Uh oh, <laughs> now they know I'm here. See, I the reason that I'm skeptical of that, and I, 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 mean, I think you're right. I think that makes a lot of sense from a storytelling perspective. But I, but the reason I doubt that is because Tatooine seems like a relatively small community of people, and like, <laughs> just imagine if one of your neighbors like showed up and was like, you know, a as a space wizard, that guy then couldn't continue to live on that planet for another eight or nine years, however long until a new hope, without being found out for who he is. Mm -hmm. So I, I I kind of think that he's already like that he's already reclusive before this. But again, I really don't know. Um, I am interested to see how I, all of this. So yeah, Tat Tatooine is both the largest and smallest, most important and most insignificant place in the universe. So. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I um I would be very very interested when thinking about this. Well, let me rephrase that. When thinking about this, I'm interested to see if this is going to be the last Obi-Wan story we ever see or if this is going to leave the door open for another story set between here and A New Hope. Mm -hmm. To me, that will determine the shape of this story. I think Ewan McGregor is probably happy to do this but not commit to this for too much. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 I just think it's going to be, I just think it's going to be the end of the Obi Wan story, kind of. Even though it's not, gonna, you know, <laughs> we we know what the the end of his story comes in A New Hope, but you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I I think it's going to be much sadder than um, one would assume. That's my prediction. The trailer felt sad. The end mm -hmm. shot there. Yeah. Do you have a specific reason for things going to be sadder, or just a, a gut feeling? A, a gut feeling. I feel this very much um, to me feels like man. I definitely am not going to remember the season, but the last the last story arc in David Tennant's run as Doctor Who, when. 
he is a being of incredible power and realizes that all the good he can do in the world is not going to supplant the amount of damage that trying to do that good ends up incurring on the people around him. Mm-hmm. And I th- think that's what's going to lead him to this reclusive life. Because mm-hmm. Obi-Wan is a very mover and shaker. I I always felt that transition from being, you know, center of the galaxy in a lot of ways to being a random nobody hanging out with one chest full of old stuff from a friend is not really making a lot of sense. Seeing him forced into that role, I could see um, being something worth telling. See, uh, again, like one of the questions that I have is how much communication, if any, was there between Obi-Wan and Yoda after the events of Revenge of the Sith? I I don't know. How much conversation was there between um, Obi-Wan and Bail Organa after uh, Revenge of the Sith? How much conversation? Well, that's something that is really interesting is the idea that Yoda and Obi-Wan go and hide forever, essentially. They don't want to be found. They don't want to be discovered. Bail Organa continues to fight, puts his life on the line, his family's life on the line, to keep the fight going. Very interesting comparatively. Well, I, I think the reason behind that is, and I promise folks we're going to talk about droids in a few minutes. Um, but you're going to, you're going to regret that we switched the topic. That's but, true. Yes. You know. uh, but what I was going to say is that like, the difference to me is that Bail Organa is somebody who was not, um, he was not a known member of the rebel Alliance. Like he was, oh, well, if I, actually, actually, sorry, let me rephrase, rephrase that. There was no Rebel Alliance at the end of the Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just there was just the Senate. So he is just a regular guy. So he mm-hmm. can continue to be out in public as much as he wants to, and it's not going to be like uh, it's not scandalous. He's not going to be killed when he's seen. But Yoda mm-hmm. and Obi Wan are going to be killed when they're seen. And so. You know, we have a little bit of conversation between Yoda and Obi-Wan at the end of Revenge of the Sith, where basically he says, Qui-Gon has found a way to come back from the dead. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, like, work on this. But Yoda never says how they're going to do that. So I don't know if they're doing that independently of each other or if they're yeah. communicating through the Force. Like, we we just don't know about these things, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I, the, the thing I keep coming back to is, and this is such a pedantic question. I'm sorry, people, that I'm such a pedant about this stuff. But, like, do they recognize that Luke is Force-sensitive? Do they test his midichlorians at some point and realize, like, okay, if we want to continue, if the Jedi are to survive, we need to make sure that this kid is protected? Like, does does that happen? And if so, is that why Obi-Wan is is so protective over him because ultimately like i mean i'm surprised they ever when you think about the logic why did they ever tell him his name was skywalker 
Like that name. <laughs> I mean, that's like if Hitler had a kid and they tried to hide him out to make sure that no one ever killed him, but they still called him Bill Hitler. Like it, it just seems like a really dumb move to me <laughs> that they would keep his name Skywalker. Um, that's a whole other story for a different day, though. But you know, so I so I feel like you know, on one hand, if if they feel like Luke is the only hope for the Jedi then there's nothing Obi-Wan could do that's more important than protecting that hope, right? His his most important job is to be the gatekeeper of the future of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And so I understand why he would then become the recluse that we see in the beginning of A New Hope. Where that mm-hmm. starts to fall apart for me is if they're just protecting this kid because he's a kid and because he's their friend's kid. And I think in that instance, you leave that to Owen and Baru. They can handle that just fine themselves. So, so to me, that is the big question here: is like, why? What is it about Luke that makes him that makes Obi Wan dedicate his entire life to him? He has to know of his import somehow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. They again, it it varies whether or not you can tell if someone is force sensitive, you need to test them if you need to. I, it who knows? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe it could also just be, I don't know, a, a touch of regret. I mean, sure, the way things went with Anakin as well. Well, that's something that it just clicked to me is that at this point, we don't know if. Obi-Wan knows that Anakin is still alive. He doesn't know that Vader is Anakin Skywalker necessarily. How would he? That's a really good point, actually. When he leaves mm-hmm. him, he's just like a burned-out mm-hmm. husk. Yeah. I mean, yep. that's what transpires in this. Uh, that's that's what I'm thinking. It's like, oh, what if this is him that. realizing that Vader exists? See, the, the reason that, that that I also think that Vader is not going to be as big of a part of this as we are all thinking or maybe hoping he is is because when, when Obi-Wan shows up in A New Hope, Vader says, like, it's a presence I haven't felt since, and then he walks away. So clearly he feels, he knows what's going on. He recognizes Obi-Wan's musk or whatever scent or uh, <laughs> however he's identifying him, and... There's that. But if if Anakin met Obi-Wan on Tatooine, he would obviously like it that to me that's where it falls apart, right? Like that's there's no way he would let Obi-Wan to still live if he knew he was on Tatooine. So I, if but early early Vader is very much a mindless drone. Later Vader, I don't know why I said that, but <laughs> Like the Vader we see in New Hope is really shaking off the chains of the Emperor in a lot of ways. Right. But isn't that... so? He, he's literally just a killing machine at this point. Right. So that's what I'm saying. If he knew yeah. everyone was alive, he'd be dead. But I don't know if he necessarily rem- understand it was Obi Wan, and if he did, if he would be able to bring himself to kill him. I mean, he kills he kills Obi Wan when he is already starting to rebel against the Emperor in A New Hope. 
So I don't mm-hmm. know why he would have more remorse when he was, as you called him, like a mindless drone. Oh, that makes sense. I also think it's part of the problem of telling stories backwards. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, and I feel like that's the whole, you know, telling Luke his last name was, you know, that that story came first. So. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Ray taking the name came afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, that is like I think we said this on the podcast. Like that is like that is taking a very controversial name <laughs> and making it your own. Um, you know, maybe not quite Hitler because you know the Skywalkers eventually redeemed themselves, but it's basically like taking. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't even know what the equivalent would be. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not good though. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's not a good name. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I think that the show is going to have – see, my one well, – I mean, I have more than one fear about the show. One of my fears about the show is that like when, before there was a Mandalorian and this show was, was going to be a movie and it was rumored, I had heard that they wanted to make it into a Western-inspired thing and a samurai-inspired thing. And basically, I think it was – the way it was described in a lot of interviews, and none of this was official. This was all, you know, rumors or whatever. To me, sounds a lot like the tone of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And I think now if you do a show that feels like The Mandalorian, it's going to be looked at as like you're just copying what The Mandalorian is doing. So I think you have to do something different than that. But ultimately, I think that story makes a lot of sense. Like, I think that if Obi-Wan was a a hermit, you know, in the Dune Sea... That wouldn't feel all that different from episodes of The Mandalorian we got. I mean, we also have to remember this is a film production team that the last thing they released was a miniseries on Tatooine. For like, so (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna feel close to it regardless. That's true. So, that's true. Yeah, I. I mean, I'm I'm very excited for it. I'm excited. I'm I'm gonna be writing yeah. about it every week, and so I I better be excited about it because I have to yeah. with a thousand words a week to say about it. But but beyond that, I also I mean, think... two of them are hello there. So you'll you've got, you got two. <laughs> just 998 more to yes, go. There we go. Uh, and but more than anything else, I'm really excited to talk with you folks about it and with other friends about it because I think this is this is maybe the most asked for Star Wars like ancillary story. Right? Yeah. Yeah. After yep. this, there's there's not that many things you could do that are that are too similar to like, that, that 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 will be as well received as this. I think people wanted a Boba Fett story and now they're realizing the folly in that. <laughs> you know, um for a long time people had talked about a young Han Solo story and we got that, you know, to to mixed results depending on who you ask, um, through the magic of deep fake technology, we've gotten some Luke stuff between the two trilogies. I hope we don't get too much more of that, just because I I, I think we all know the reasons why we don't necessarily yeah. want to have too much more of that. But you know, I I don't know what else. I think after this. The next thing people want the most is a Donald Glover Lando series, and we know that's mm-hmm. coming eventually. Yeah. So I don't know what I don't know what's left 
of the big ticket Star Wars desires after this? I don't know. Yeah, it seems like they they do keep filling in these places that people do want, but eventually, you know, those you know, known characters will run out. There's only so much that can be done. There's a finite space between, you know, prequel, trilogy, original trilogy. Yeah. And no one really seems to want to go, and we talked about it before, but no one seems to want to go beyond. Right. It it seems. I wonder wonder if they'd ever do a High Republic series. Oh, I think they will. I mean, so they, they had announced one series called was it the disciple it's it's something I, I, you know what you guys t- i'll look it up in a second here but they, they announced a show that was going to be set in the far past i don't know if it's quite high republic past but let's see here we got um <laughs> the acolyte that's what it's called and it's described as let's see the series uh, an action thriller with martial arts elements that would take place during the late High Republic era. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, supposed <laughs> to start filming middle of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see. Um, I what what I do think is that what Visions showed and what Mandalorian showed until it had to double back and do its Star Wars thing is that people just want stuff that isn't tied to the Skywalker story anymore. Like we're, we're, we're squeezing that to its last. Once we finish this Obi-Wan story, um, the Darth Maul series, I don't know how much more we can really do with it because everything we do doesn't ever push the needle at all. It just keeps coming back to the same sort of boring conclusion. So, I, mean, I don't. I don't think. I don't think people really want a um, Luke uh, Jedi Academy, do they? I mean, I would like there to be a series like that because I think that there's. I think there are stories that can be told in that era that we've never seen anything quite like in 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 modern canon, right? Not talking about the legends stuff, mm-hmm. but like I think that. I think it's it'll be really interesting to see it. I, like personally, I want to see an animated series like that because I, I don't want any more deep fake Luke. I think okay. I, I think the more that you do that, the less impactful it becomes each time you see Luke. That first time felt really substantial. The second time felt so considerably less substantial because we had already seen it before. So I think every time you do that, it's 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 diminishing returns. But mm-hmm. I I think it would be really interesting to see like. Because don't forget, Luke was never really tra- – I mean, he was trained by Yoda, but he was not trained like a Jedi was trained. Mm-mm. He was trained differently. And so I think that he's going to have different ideas about what the Jedi should be than what he than, – than, than what the last Jedi Academy we saw was. And we know that ultimately that fails. And I think that that's, that's what makes the story interesting and potentially tragic to have – this this story of Luke's failure, mm-hmm. but the I mean the Last Jedi was widely criticized because it in part because it dealt with Luke's failures. So I don't I don't know if they're ever going to be willing to 
to go that dark with Luke ever again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Because people want to see. It seems like what people want to see during that time that we haven't seen with Luke are you know Luke's successes, him at his height. That's what seems to be, um, you know, the complaint with Luke's role in the Last Jedi. Right. I mean, to me, and again, like, I I think there's a big difference, and I've tried to talk, I I have one friend in particular who really does not like The Last Jedi, and his his reasoning is is essentially that it makes Luke into a less compelling character because of his failures, and to me it makes him into a more compelling character because of his failures. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I agree. We all agree. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think this is the big difference between looking at looking at it as a looking at it from like a I'm a fan of Luke and I'm rooting for Luke versus being I'm a fan of these stories and I want the best version of these stories. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the big difference here. Is I think you I think we can disagree about the way you want these stories told, but I can't. I mean, the Last Jedi, as much as it might be a downer for you if you're a big Luke fan, I can't imagine you someone looking at that with f- fair eyes. I, I don't know how else to say it, and not and not saying like. This is an interesting, well-crafted story. Versus Rise of Skywalker, where everybody gets their like moment in the sun, is not an interesting or well-crafted story. And I'll mm-hmm. always take the more interesting story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, just they're such well-crafted characters in the Last Jedi, and complex characters, and thoughtful characters, and just more. I, I don't know. I was going to say realistic to real life, and I know we don't always watch movies or TV shows to, you know, mirror our own lives. But again, you know, it it makes it more interesting. You know, someone who is always a winner, always a champion, it gets dull. It gets boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the heroic act of Luke um, was far more substantial than anything we saw in um rise of skywalker yes yeah mm-hmm. yeah that that it... was heroism <laughs> yes well th- th- there's what's so great is that one of the first things that luke says in the last jedi is like what do you expect me to do stand up there with my laser sword and take on the entire fir- uh, first order and then he does that <laughs> like, That's what mm-hmm. he does. and he does it and he does it without hurting anybody Nobody is mm-hmm. killed in the process. He saves the rebellion. Like to me, that is that is the most what what he does. And I just I just thought of this now. And God damn it, I wish I thought of this three years ago. When we had to talk about this movie, <laughs> or however many years ago. Who who can tell me how long that ago it was? That was I don't know. Two and a half years. Time doesn't it, make sense anymore. I don't know. But what I was going to say is, like Obi Wan in A New Hope takes on the empire to save the rebellion. He lets the rebel he lets the rebels escape by sacrificing himself to Vader. And then Luke does the exact same thing in the last mm-hmm. Jedi. Just on a much mm-hmm. grander scale. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's poetic. It's wonderful. 
I'm tired of the last <laughs> that I hate. Tired of it. All right. Any other Obi Wan thoughts? We've talked a lot about this show. <laughs> <laughs> Over thirty minutes of a, yeah, a minute yes. and a half trailer. Exactly. Yes. Uh, anything else? No. No. All right. Well, let's <laughs> talk about the the second five episodes of uh of Star Wars droids. Yeah, yeah five. I thought it was four. Man, I I was like, okay. Let me let me peek into the next arc and oh, see if no. it picks up. And I was like, ah, oh, come on. But there are five episodes? I only watched four. Oh, <laughs> Liz, you did yourself a favor. That fifth episode is oh, butley. No. It is bad. Oh, no, it I is feel really... Oh, man. I mean, you'll it have is... to watch it before the next one. Oh. You'll be totally lost, I'm sure, if you missed that one episode. <laughs> so you... What will I do? Yes, you'll have to catch up. But It's a weird... Yeah, because things are pretty well wrapped up at the end of four. Yes. Um, yeah, because what's her name? They were exactly they were leaving. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The the sexual tension between Jan and Jess <laughs> were yeah. was palpable. It was. Um, Jessica was going to her freighter business. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, shame on me. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, no. Well, the 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 focus pivots a little bit, and it focuses on the son of the rulers of. Hamuzan, mm. the, the guy with like the the not cat animal. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All all he does for the whole episode is basically try to kill three PO in different ways, <laughs> um, mainly through just like trying to get R two to leave him everywhere. <laughs> it's like fuck him. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Um, <laughs> yeah, it, he's he's whiny. Yeah. He's terrible. Okay. Although there is a great. Oh no, that's the other episode. I was like, there's a great scene where. 3PO and R2D2 pretend to torture a dude, but that's actually in the, yes. the four episodes we saw. <laughs> yeah. That's maybe one of the coolest things in all of Star Wars. Uh... <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk about this, right? On one hand, I think that here's how I wrote it in my notes I can't believe how little happened in these five episodes. <laughs> Semicolon. I can't believe how much bullshit happens in each episode. Like, yeah, well, some of these it, episodes it so have much so happened. much stuff. It was it was too hard to follow what was ever going on. Yes, it, but nothing happens at all, really. Yeah. yeah. At a certain point, I was like, I have nothing to write down. Like, another chase scene. I was like... Right. <laughs> yeah, and what, what happened to IG-88? <laughs> yeah. Twists and turns of plot. Yeah. Did someone drop the N word? I think so. <laughs> yes, you had sent us that. It, it sounds it's it's pretty close. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I will I will give them the benefit of the doubt, but not by too much. <laughs> um, yeah. It's bad. Yeah, it is. Bad. And it's not it's not the guy that looks like a the uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's uh, Chinese stereotype. No, it's oh, not. Oh, that was that is no. a different that is a different problematic character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of problematic things in, in this arc. Yeah, yeah, um, it, yeah. Do, do we want to go through the, what the story was? Go for it, man. Liz, Liz, Liz set the bar very high last time with <laughs> okay. describing the well, plot. Well, that's why I, I, that's why I pulled up the episode description so I could get a couple names at least. Okay. Um, so 3PO and R2-D2 get bought by a miner named Jan, Jan Tosh. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but then get wrapped up in another situation because he also buys what they think is an android, but it's really the, I don't, like, mentally stunted, maybe prince of another planet. The Monjolpa. Monjolpa, who got hit with a, like, a stupefying (laughs) hammer. I don't know. Uh, They then get um, almost killed by um, a gas mine. They escape. They go back to the planet Tamuzan where Monjolpa is vying to be king um, because there's a ceremony where you have to put a stick in a hole at the lunar, at the like summer solstice and then you become king. So, I mean, awesome move there. Yes. But luckily they're able to get the good guy to uh, become king. Then we actually watch some interesting like geopolitics happen as this ruler tries to establish um, a foothold in the area, he fights back against pirates uh, run by Kaibo Ren. We talked about yes. uh, namesake to maybe Kylo Ren. Although I think the biggest piece of this is that the pirates are actually pretty awesome because they're flying around in stolen TIE fighters with their logo spray painted on the side. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um and for those of you listening who play Star Wars Armada, that is where the um, the Star Destroyer, oh, shoot, I forget what it was called, the Demolisher comes in, mm-hmm. um, the small, heavy-gunning um, Star Destroyer. So we see a bunch of cool stuff there. They also wear armor of stormtroopers they've definitely killed, which is pretty cool. Um but yeah, they get thwarted. The sea monster eats them. I don't know. And then we see them, you know, come back again, kidnap people, blah, blah, blah. Then we have the last final episode. The son of the ruler is given an inheritance from his uncle. Uh, he wants to buy many a thing, but R2-D2 doesn't let him. And eventually his monkey gets stolen by smugglers and then they get it back and then they are going to open up an intergalactic animal reserve. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty succinct uh, and, and well thought out uh, description of it. Thank you both. Uh, I will take this bullet for next time <laughs> uh, in terms of having to recap the episodes, but Couple of a, a, a small piece of me believes that the f- the third arc might be the one that's good. <laughs> we'll see. About I mean, because we also we um, haven't seen a stormtrooper yet, except yes. in every screen on Disney Plus when you try to watch droids. Right. Yes. <laughs> um. So a couple a couple of notes that because I I don't have a lot of plot stuff to say. Okay. So I'm just gonna I got like five or six things I want to want to go through here and just get your takes on them. Uh, the mm-hmm. first one is that the droids really do have a type, which is they just go after Hicks from the middle of nowhere. Like mm-hmm. um, Jan is is not exactly a cosmopolitan guy. He's he's pretty much just a, he he's essentially Luke without powers. Luke Luke with, with a deeper V, believe it or not. <laughs> yes, somehow a deeper V. Yes, that is an excellent <laughs> point. Um, it was basically no V. It was yeah, just yeah. open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um. So th- there are uh, 
there's a lot of injuries to C-3PO that leave him in just, like, not bad shape. It's comical shape. Like, at one point, mm-hmm. he's just, like, mm-hmm. walking around hunched for a while because his knees got messed up. In the last episode, <laughs> his, like, neck gets elongated and his voice goes up an octave. Um, <laughs> yep. But there's also a lot of stuff where, like, there's one point where he's, like, lying on top of a spaceship and his toilet's, like, humping the spaceship. Like, there's there's still a lot of sexually suggestive stuff going on with 3PO. Yeah. Especially... Yeah, you're on top. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, especially when he... I mean, I, there, there are probably uh, many, many, let's call them adult films that begin with someone trying to wake up who they think is their friend and it's somebody else. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> he definitely does that at one point here. Um, yeah. Every noise that somebody makes when getting hurt sounds either like they are trying to take a shit or they're in the middle of a raunchy porn. Everyone's like, all the time. Just That's horrible sound effects. makes fart noises a lot. Yes. That other leader's daughter, when she was like captured and she was trying to get out, all she did was make noises the entire time. Exactly, yeah. There's a lot of really specific weird noise work being done here. Um <laughs> So something I noticed in the last episode, but the more I think about it, I think it's true for everything, but definitely the last one. There's a name of an animal called a Jugadu, and all these animals and all these species all sound like regional racist words. Like, <laughs> like, a, a, like you know, uh, I remember when I, when I went to college, uh, Pittsburgh had a very, seri- a very large um, Czechoslovakian population. And there were, like, r- slurs for Czechs I had never heard before. Like, wait a minute. You have slurs for those people? I never heard of that. And I feel like all of these sound like just words you didn't know were racist words but actually are. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they – they, they... but then Jessica. Yeah, <laughs> and then Jessica, yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it is kind of funny that, like, you know, in Star Wars there are people who are named Luke. When you think about it, you know, we have yeah. Obi-Wan and Luke. Luke. But, you know, so I guess Jessica isn't too far out of out of place with that. But, yes, you're right. Um, we do get, uh, you mentioned it before, Matt, a, a little bit of IG-88. We see the Max mm-hmm. Rebo band at one point. R.I.P. R.I.P., yes. Uh, we also see some Gamorrean guards, or a Gamorrean guard, rather, mm-hmm. in one of the episodes. Um I know this is very much a Star Wars phrase, but it's funny to me that I think it's in episode three. Monjulpa and Jan keep calling each other old friend. And like you people have known each other for ten days tops. <laughs> tops yeah. ten days. And all of a sudden you're old friend this and old friend that. I don't I don't get that. He, he saved his life. He did, yeah. Uh there's also in that last episode, Liz, you missed some uh some space chickens. Oh, <laughs> yep. Who walk around on t- on two feet? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they they were essential. And again, they were um, the aliens from the BattleTech book, Far From Home. Essentially, they looked like giant space chickens. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We learned that droids are not allowed at the Starfleet Academy. That is true. Yes, that 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 mm-hmm. that is why they leave uh, Jan's side because he's going to the academy. And uh, they don't allow, they they just don't allow droids there. Is he going to Starfleet Academy with James T. Kirk or? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, in San Francisco. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know if these were necessarily much worse, 
than the first episodes or if just the the bloom is off the rose here a little bit that now that we know what this show is it doesn't feel as exciting or fun there are a lot more scooby-doo monsters in this one though i will agree with that yes like they fought a loch ness monster they fought a giant i don't know like a cat beast i don't even know that one first monster was kind of adorable, and then they just, like, helped him out. R2 helped him out, and then he was their friend. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they're normally docile. They're like Rancors. Yeah, yeah. apparently. Yeah. They're more... Yeah, it... it I don't know. Yeah. I, it, something that struck me in the beginning when... Um, R2 and 3PO were looking for a new, I hate this, a new master. Uh And it seems like everyone in, and granted this is Star Wars and this is a cartoon, but it really seems like, especially in the beginning, that all of the bad people were just sort of ugly, cartoonish fools. Mm -hmm. And then R2 and C-3PO are standing up there and 3PO's like, oh, I know. I want that guy. And Jan's standing there, and he's just like a regular, good-looking guy. And he's the hero. I mean, well, again, 3PO has a type. He, he likes does. farm yeah. boy, innocent-looking guys. And, and then it felt like, like the heroes were like just like traditional, like just like good, like, you know, people, like good-looking. Like Jessica was a good-looking person. Mm. And then everyone else was, I don't know, it was just, it, it felt very uh, distinct. But yeah, you're right. Three, you're right, Matt. 3PO does seem to have a <laughs> time. <laughs> also, I felt like, like Jan's uncle was basically Yosemite Sam. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I... <laughs> that... That was a crazy character. That, yeah. Who also gets dropped yeah, so really quickly. Yeah. Like he, he's well, there. Like and goodbye. Just... So I sent the hollow message and he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. It. These episodes, there were just so much going on. I don't. And yet nothing going on. It was on. very, very hard to follow. Yeah. It was a lot of like, just like escape, almost captured, then like almost escaped. That was the point where I was like, okay, I can turn my brain off a little bit here. Yeah. What, what is, what was interesting is that it very much, like the first one had like the rebel undertones to it because of, uh, man, who knows what her name was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and her parents were involved too. Uh, yes. Maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, look at the, the thing. Is it Thal, Jord, Kia? I don't know. I think it's, it's. I think it's. Yeah. Yeah. It probably Kia, right? Yeah. Yes. Anyway, but like that had a Star Wars. Connection. This had real no connection to the greater Star Wars universe. Like this could have been, other than the ships themselves, this could have been a uh, a Deep Space Nine episode. This could have been Firefly. This could have been. Um, I don't know. Like any generic sci-fi. And that was kind of cool for a while. Like, I like that when we're not just trapped into the Star Wars tropes. I would say that's especially true in the last episode where um, for the first time, like, although Jan, I almost called him Judd because I've already forgotten his name because he's that interesting. But like (laughs) uh, where I feel like Jan is um, 
he's in it, but he's not like an active part of the first bit of the episode. And mm-hmm. so you very much get like what this show would be like if it were if if there were no uh, if there were no masters for the Jedi for the droids rather if the droids mm-hmm. just like did shit on their own, and that's that's what the it would have been like that fifth episode in this arc. And thank God, we don't have that show <laughs> because it's it's bad, it's bad. Um, anything else to say about this or no? Oh. I, I think that's all I got. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I jumped the shark on the the torture scene. That was cool. The, the torture I, scene was I, pretty cool. Yes, I like in general. I like this idea of three PO being real, like quick witted, and like he's literally fast in his feet because they're like you said, they're like Gumby characters. Yes. Um. <laughs> But the idea that he's able to, like, play roles and pretend to be other things, like, utilizing his droid abilities um, is really interesting to see. Because in the movies, R2-D2 gets all the screen time um, because he can, you know, shoot people with lightning and fly. But it's nice to see 3PO really able to put his skills to work. Yes. Losing a leg, losing an arm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Having to be carried mm. most of the episodes because he jumped off a cliff. Like <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, what, what we should say is that for next episode, we're going to be talking about a book. We have talked about doing this for a while. Matt was the one who spearheaded this. And so we're going to be talking about the novel Queen's Peril which is written by E.K. Johnson and is the sequel to the um, Queen's Shadow, I believe it was called. Is that, is that correct? Uh, prequel to Queen's Shadow. Sorry, que- prequel to Queen's Shadow, yes. Um, it, it's the first, it's, this is the second book in a trilogy of Padme stories, and we're going to be talking about that next time. So I actually just picked up the audio book the other day, oh, and nice. I'm looking forward to checking that out. So we should definitely um, – we need to talk off the air about that because I'm actually going to be away for a bit. So we got to figure out when we're going to record this. But that's a whole other story. Okay. Anyway, everyone listening to this should definitely read that book so that we can talk about it. And um, I think I might put a post up on Multiversity a couple days earlier to take some questions about the book. Like if you've cool. read it and you want to talk about stuff, I, I would love to have people contribute to this somehow. It's mm-hmm. going to be pretty fun. Um, I do have to say it's one of the my favorite things that I've read in the Star Wars universe um in a long time and definitely my favorite piece of like prequel era writing hmm. okay not the one we read the the other one we read not this okay one. not this one this okay scene. cool yeah okay so um but yeah uh so check out check out check out that book and then after that book we're going to talk about the third arc of uh droids because we hate ourselves apparently <laughs> and uh stop believing. yeah uh but you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna plow through droids here and then we're going to have Obi-Wan not long after that. And so, you know, I, I'm sure we'll get to that sooner than later. And then maybe we'll do the Ewok series after that because who the Ewok series, I am really interested to see how – if there's a quality gap between these two series or if they're basically the same show in terms of quality. Yeah. I'll be very – I mean, I, I'm still scarred from the movie, but yes, okay. Oh yes. yes. That's the darkest ten minutes of film ever produced. 
That still hasn't recovered. No. I also just want to very quickly share my favorite Star Wars thing of the last couple of months. This was a tweet on the 22nd of February. I sent it in our group chat. Um, it was they were the Fantastic Beasts Twitter account was tweeting out posters of characters with the actors' names is and the person's name. And so this is Poppy Corbin Took is Vinda, and someone just reached me and it said Jabba the Hut voice. And then when you think about that, it just Poppy Corbin took his Vinda. It's it's like a fucking perfect <laughs> yeah. joke. It's such a good joke. Uh, the Twitter handle is at Earthman Buck, and I just want I just want to say thank you, Earthman Buck. That's a perfect joke, and it's made mm-hmm. just for me. So I appreciate that. Um, anyway, so uh, read Queen's Peril. Talk with talk to us about it soon. And until next time, remember the Force will be with you always. 